Welcome to Cypherspeak, Artifacts, Ciphers, and Podities. Today, we're having a crafter noon, and you're invited. <laughs> uh, I am here today with my co-host Darcy, who is a tinkering traveler who wields fibers and textiles. And I'm here with my co-host Troy, who is a wonderful wizard who paves yellow brick roads. And this is Cypherspeak. Welcome, everybody. Yes, welcome to our show. Uh, today, to follow on last week's episode, we are going to tackle the second major part of the crafting system in Numenera Destiny, and that is actually crafting something. Exactly. So last episode, we talked about salvaging. But now that we've found all of this cool iodum, or junk, as some <laughs> might say, what do we do with it, Darcy? Hey, bud, that's magical junk to you, okay? Uh, well, with all of this lovely junk we've accumulated, we're going to craft things. So Destiny has all sorts of things that you can make, uh, whether that is a cipher for you or a companion, whether that is a, a large installation to help your whole community, whether that's a fancy dress or a cool chair, right? Uh, it really ranges from the technologically wondrous to the mundane, um, but all of these are are uh, available to you and more. Now, as much as we talk about this being a like a whole new section, it's only seven pages long, like the rules <laughs> of this. And even that is a lot of like, you know, call outs and little cute tables to make it really, really easy to run. Um, but I think there's lots of fun to be had within this. So I'm excited we're devoting a whole episode to it. Yeah. And I mean, I think to some degree it's okay to like make a big deal out of a whole new mm -hmm. section that's seven pages long because like really the core rules that's of true. Numenera are like <laughs> 23 pages long or something Very like that. Very good point. Yeah. The percentage <laughs> difference is uh, significant. Yes. Awesome. So uh, let's jump right into this goodness. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I, I have it, but I, I do want to... <laughs> give the perhaps disclaimer that I haven't gotten to play with this a lot yet. So uh, perhaps we'll make errors and you will let us know. But uh, hopefully this will enlighten those of you who are curious whether you want to check it out, uh, what it's all about and how it works. So absolutely. Uh, so to start with, and Darcy kind of alluded to this, because you can kind of make anything, uh, crafting kind of starts out divided between kind of commonplace items. Uh, so you know, building a, a hut or a chair, like Darcy said, or mm -hmm. uh, sewing that, that fancy dress. Um, those would all just be things that anybody could make, right? They don't have any fancy Numenera technological magic pieces, right? They're mm -hmm. just things that people need or want to live. Mm -hmm. on, on the other hand, uh, you know, everything that you've seen in all the Numenera books beforehand, right? All of these cool, magical technology uh, ciphers, uh, more more permanent things like installations, which could be like a lightning turret, you know, some big piece of Numenera that would be functioning kind of like something you might find in a ruin, but is all cobbled together by uh, your, your limited understanding of the Numenera. Um, those are available as well. And so you might be uh, and, and with, with things like that, you really need these plans. So, um, why don't we talk a little bit about, uh, 
you know, there's a, there's a pretty big difference in how you treat those commonplace objects versus the Numenera. Um, so why don't we dig into that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the first place that there's a difference is in what you need to actually make those particular items. Mm -hmm. uh, to make a mundane item, you just need kind of mundane things, right? It could be wood, synth, clay, iron, cloth, whatever the, you know, kind of thing is made out of, that's kind of the materials you need. And a lot of the things will kind of specify like how much you need. So mm -hmm. uh, you can then get those materials by, you know, kind of gathering. I kind of think of this like the old uh, Warcraft games. So like before mm. World of Warcraft, right? You'd send out your little guys and they'd go out and, <laughs> and they'd chop trees or they'd mine gold or they'd mine stone. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, so basically either you or maybe members of the community are going out and gathering these various materials. And basically you get enough units of the material and then you can start building the thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we talk about units of the material, uh, the way that this game asks you to keep track of that is just by like, it, it lumps everything into materials. So all your stone, <laughs> all your wood, all your weird, uh, you know, bits of ancient synth, that's just all going into the same pot of materials. So I, I really appreciate that because it means you're not having to track all of this different weird stuff. You know, it really saves the tracking to Iodum. Iodum is kind of the only thing that you get like specific weird bits because that's part of the fun, right? Those have cool, uh -huh. weird uniqueness to their own. So it's not like you're going to have to be keeping track of how many units of wood, how many units of stone. That's abstracted in a way that I really like. So, um, mm -hmm. but, but if we're not keeping track, how do I trade my wood for sheep? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> uh, uh, Troy, we can, you can hack a subsystem where you get to track all of the wood and all the sheep. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. I'll, uh, I'll think about that. Um, so as Darcy kind of alluded to, right, those are all things for the, the mundane things. But when we get to the, the Numenera building, so those ciphers, artifacts, installations, there we do have a little bit more tracking. We've got mm -hmm. plans that we have to acquire, right? How do we actually build these things? Because mm -hmm. nobody really understands it. So however we cobble together a plan and whether that's like finding a broken thing somewhere else and making a plan out of it or mm -hmm. some weird old, you know, like narrative you know, description, you know, we talked a little bit about plans last time, mm -hmm. but then more importantly, you need all of this iotum and then you need some parts, you know, which are kind of specialized materials. But again, parts are just parts, right? You're just tracking parts for the most part. Right. So uh, when I first was reading these sections, I was like, okay, we have materials and parts. And I was like, I don't know how those are different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, materials are for this commonplace stuff. And I think of those as like, you know, big canvas that you're going to be shaping an object out of, right? So like mm -hmm. if you're going to like carve a boat, you need a big like log of wood, right? right. So that's your material. If you're going to make uh, a big cloth tent, you need these big spools of cloth. Um, parts are are like screws and struts and glass panels. They're really like, how do you hook this weird bit of iodum up to um, something that you can actually interact with. So it's like, you know, kind of connects 
bits that you're att- attaching to make an object that is uh, interact withable, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of like if you oh, and I can't remember what they're called, but there is there's like a kid's toy, right, where they were sticks and then they had like little things with holes in them that you could like connect and build stuff out of, right? And if you think of the sticks as iodum and then each of those like little hubs mm. as um Parts. parts right the parts are just linking your iotum together right. so then at the end you have this thing yeah absolutely so um <clears throat> materials again always commonplace parts always is what you handle for numenera and then mm-hmm. if you look at the character sheets they just have like one little circle for each on your character sheet and i really appreciate that it doesn't get any more complicated <laughs> than that yeah. <laughs> all right Let's say you've acquired a bunch of stuff. You got some materials, you got some parts, iodum, and uh, you got some plans. How are we going to craft? So very much similar to salvaging, crafting is at the heart of it a task, Mm -hmm. right? Everything in Numenera kind of eventually defaults to a task. Uh, So the first thing we need to do is to figure out how hard the task is. Um, so there's a table uh, in the book um, on page 177 for those that are uh, curious or looking along at home mm-hmm. um, that shows how to calculate what they call assessed difficulty. So we're going to use this term assessed difficulty uh, in a handful of places throughout the episode. The book will use this uh, as well. Um, and, and the reason they use that is because it, it's there's some sub things coming up and we'll kind of get into that, but assess difficulty is important. And that's kind of where you start with for your crafting tasks. So basically it's just like anything else in Numenera, you figure out the level of the thing you want to build. So if you want to build a chair, maybe that's a level two. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to build a mystery box cipher, I think that that cipher is a level 10, mm-hmm. right? So that then it's a 10. And then the table, what it does is it tells you what you have to add to that kind of number, right? Because some things are actually harder than their level to build. So mundane things are always uh, no additional level. So if the chair would be a 2. Uh, for the cipher, however, it'd be an 11. Right. So uh, a, or we find a chair out in the wilds. It's a level 2 chair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now I want to ask, how difficult is it for me to make that chair? If it's a chair, the assessed difficulty is a level two. Right. When, I, when we find that mystery box cipher out in the wild, we find out that that is a level 10 cipher. How difficult is it for me to create that thing? Uh, because it's a cipher, it is one plus the level of the cipher is the assessed difficulty. So, you know, you're kind of looking at a thing and uh, some things are just extra hard to make, right? Ciphers right. should just be harder to make than a chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's what this really tiny table that we're probably making a bigger deal of than, than we need to uh, <laughs> is lets you do. And so things like installations or an automaton, right? Those are going to be really tricky things to make. So an auto- a true automaton is uh, the assessed difficulty to create it is four plus the level of that true automaton. Yeah. And the way that I kind of think about this, bringing it into, you know, maybe kind of like real world ideas is if I look at a like a chair or a bookshelf, right, Mm -hmm. I can probably kind of figure out how that bookshelf was put together. And with the right tools and uh, material, I could build the same bookshelf, Mm -hmm. you know, relatively easily 
you know, because the bookshelf doesn't have a high level, it's not a complex object. Um, but maybe a computer, for instance, is maybe around the same level mm. as a bookshelf, maybe a little more complicated, but it's harder to look at a computer. And even if you take it apart to look at it and necessarily right. figure out where all the parts are going. Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. So, so yeah, that's why some things are, are harder than their, um, their base level, why their assessed difficulty is harder. Mm-hmm. So once we have this assessed difficulty, um, so we're going to use it as, as an example, um, you know, just a kind of a generic cipher that is maybe difficulty level five. If that's your assessed difficulty is five, uh, basically there are a series of crafting uh, subtasks that need to take place. Uh, and the number of subtasks is equal to the the assessed difficulty of the thing that you're trying to craft. Um, so again, to try to simplify this a little bit, basically you would have to make a you would have to make five checks, or the first check would start at level one, and then get progressively harder. So you would do a, a level one check, then a level two, then a level three, then a level four, then a level five. So that's if your assessed difficulty is five. Correct. Then you have to make five tasks, five types right. of tasks. Correct. If your assessed difficulty is three, then you have to make three. Mm-hmm. So level one, level two, level three. Yep. These subtasks are kind of important for a couple of reasons. The first is you could fail at them. Right. Um, and if you fail at one subtask the first time, it actually doesn't cause your whole craft to fail, mm-hmm. right? It just means that, you know, like... You screwed something up and you have to take part of it apart and start back from where your last good step was. So if I'm putting together um, a big Lego set and I get to step like 25 Hmm. and realize, oh, this doesn't look how it should. I have to start taking things apart until I get to like maybe step 15, right? And find out where it was wrong. Yeah. So your first one just adds a little bit of time for your first failure. Uh, for a given subtask. Now, if you're if you're on subtask three, right? You're you're on the level three part of this of this level five difficulty check we're trying to make. You know, you fail once, fine. Takes a little extra time. You try again. If you fill that role, still nothing bad happens. You're still fine. But it's it's almost like they've added like a retry cost. Just like sometimes when you're in doing regular tasks, uh, sometimes it you'd have to spend extra to attempt a task again. There's a retry cost as it's, you know, it's not just something you can kind of go at all day or, or, you know, you have a chance of, uh, it's just harder to do. Um, I'm struggling to find examples of what we use retry costs for. Do you remember trying? Uh, well, so, I mean, I think it's just from a Numenera perspective, any action, if you fail at it the first time, the second time that you have, that you try it, you have to spend at least one level of effort. Mm-hmm. Like it's required. Right. So that's kind of the retry cost, um, you know, in in just kind of basic Numenera. Um, But, you know, like a lot of games will will do this like mobile games are really good at this. Right. Where, (laughs) you know, hey, you can open uh, one chest to try to get, you know, your fancy magic item every day. Mm -hmm. And then you can pay 200 gems to open another one. Uh, so in, in the case of crafting, um, let's say you're on subtask three, you are, you failed twice. 
now you have a decision to make. You can uh, sort of say, you know, it's not worth it. I'm abandoning this project. Can't make it happen right now. I don't have time, whatever. Um, or you can uh, uh, basically sacrifice one of the highest level uh, iotums that are I- iota that are going to be part of this crafting project. And then you get to retry again. And so I think what's, what's happening there is like, you know, oh, you know, you've got this Lego set. You've cracked one of the important pieces, right? <laughs> you got to go get a new piece because uh, you've just, you've tried to wrangle it into some shape it didn't want to be. Uh, and, you know, enough failure causes problems, but there's ways to solve it, right? You might just need to get a new material. So uh, I like that it's not immediately like, oh, you know, on, on failure two, something is destroyed. I like that it's still put in your hands. Like, I'm imagining the crafter is like, they're they're trying to you know get this fine little glass pane slotted into a particular thing, and they they stop immediately at the point where it would crack. Right? They're like, okay, if I want to go forward with this, uh, there's going to be some problems, but I can still decide to sacrifice that high level iodum and and continue. Right? You know, we've kind of talked about setting the initial difficulty and kind of what failure means, but now what what can you do? once you have this assessed difficulty before you start uh, kind of working on your your project. And the first is that you can kind of use things just like any uh, Numenera task to sort of uh, ease that difficulty or ease that assessed uh, difficulty. So the first is obviously skills, right? If you are a skilled crafter, you will be able to lower that assess difficulty. And this is cool for a couple of reasons, right? Since we're kind of lowering that uh, assess difficulty up front, um, it means that it's going to take less time. So, you know, just as a quick example, uh, some of the time, because the times are different for each kind of type of object, be, be it a um, a cipher or a commonplace object or an artifact, etc. So like a level five cipher, for instance, takes 28 hours, which is one full day. Um, A level seven cipher takes one week. But if you are specialized in crafting Numenera, which would be the relevant skill for the creation of a cipher, you change that assess difficulty from seven to five. And then also it only takes you 28 hours, right? Mm. Whatever that final assess difficulty is after all of your skills are considered also drives the time. So, uh, you know, kind of just talking about a little bit about what skills we have. Crafty Numenera pretty much applies to almost any of the Numenera items that we build, like ciphers or installations or whatever. But for mundane skills... There's tons of different things that can be used. So there's no like just generic crafting skill. Armor, mason, boyer, seamstress, um, all of those could be good options. So once you've kind of got your assess difficulty lowered as much as you can, then you figure out what time it's going to take you to build the thing. Mm-hmm. And kind of as I alluded to earlier, each item has a different chart for how long it takes to build the thing. But then what you do is you take the time it takes to build the thing divided by the number of checks you make, and that determines how long each check represents. 
right? So if we if we're doing our level five uh, cipher or our assess mm-hmm. difficulty uh, five, you know, cipher we're trying to build, that takes about twenty eight hours. Um, yep. And so what's nice is you're just always looking. You're always going to divide that time by its assess difficulty, right? You're like, okay, it's assess difficulty is five. I'll divide twenty eight hours by five, and so each subtask is kind of roughly approximated to take. Uh, an equal chunk of that time. Right, yeah. And in this case, roughly five and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, kind of going back, if you fail one of those craft checks, then you've lost five and a half hours worth of work, basically is kind of what it's uh, alluding to. So this amount of time is important because it does affect effort. So... Like any task, you can spend effort on these crafting tasks. Mm-hmm. However, it cannot be spent on any subtask that takes longer than 28 hours. And this makes sense, right? Uh, effort is, you know, effort's what you spend when you're dodging out of the way of a test glorantha, right? Uh, <laughs> and um, it's, it's harder to imagine being able to consistently put yourself in a really heightened effortful state for really, really long periods of time. Um, it's kind of impressive that people can do it for, you know, several hours and, but it makes sense, you know, if you're in your workshop, you're really focused, that's all you're doing. I could see spending effort for, you know, spending a level of effort, uh, over the period of like, you know, four or five hours or longer. Um, yeah, and, and I think that what I have kind of noticed looking through the various kind of charts, you know, looking at the level versus the the time to build is um, like a lot of commonplace objects and a lot of ciphers, you know, you'd be able to apply effort to their crafting levels. But once you kind of get past that and you start like building like even commonplace structures or artifacts or installations, most of those you're not going to be able to apply effort mm-hmm. uh, to your various roles. So so effort is is not going to play a real key part in a lot of your kind of crafting subtasks. Right. So Darcy, we've talked about, you know, kind of a lot of examples. We've kind of went through the the rough system of how crafting works. What are like what are the categories of what we can actually build with this stuff? We've touched on a lot of them, but but what are they? All right, so we got your fine your fine chair. <laughs> we have uh, commonplace objects, right? So these are uh, kind of what they sound like. This is mundane things, uh, chairs and dresses and uh, sort of small scale personal use items almost, I would think, like maybe a table, maybe some furniture. Yep, pretty much anything that you like look around wherever you are right now and yeah. can see that's not a building. Right. Commonplace structures is the the other side of that coin, which which is getting into a building, a hut, a big cathedral, right? Uh, some you know larger scale um, structure, right? Right, a bridge over yeah. the you know like the, the rapid water. flowing river or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that's kind of it for commonplace things. You're either an object mm-hmm. or a structure. Um, now we get into the fun parts, uh, Numenera. Mm-hmm. Yay. So uh, the easy ones, ciphers and artifacts are things that you can now make. Neat. I, and it's funny, I actually had one of my players in one of my very first uh, 
Numenera games, you know, craft an artifact because it's actually in the rules that you can just spend experience to like mm. make an artifact, right? That's one of your three experience items. But now instead of using experience, right, it can be something that you actually work towards kind of crafting. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And, and experience is so, you know, <laughs> such an intense resource that... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm guessing... I mean, in all the times that I've played, it's happened once, right? So I'm guessing that it's something that probably doesn't come up in a lot of games where people are are spending uh, experience to create an artifact. Mm-hmm. But I like that it was there. But now, yep. when you have a, a proper crafter with proper tools and plans and all of that, you, you can find other ways to do it. Absolutely. So what other cool Numenera things can people get their uh, grubby little paws into in this game? <laughs> So once we once we move on from kind of those small personal things, uh, really the next thing that we get into is installations, right? So these are the Numenera version of buildings mm-hmm. for the most part, right? So they're not, you know, necessarily a building you live in or that people do something in. It can be something like a, you know, a tower that emits a sound that keeps all of the abhumans at bay away from your city. Right. So it could just be a thing that does something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I think about this. So if uh, ciphers and artifacts are the equivalent of objects, uh, installations are kind of the equivalent of structures. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then we have vehicles. Right. Yeah. So if you want to make something to cruise across the the beyond and get from point A to point B in a hurry, you can make some cool vehicles, you know, an airship or, uh, you know, some sort of uh, train to connect two villages. A uh, lava eel. Of, There's a lot of weird yeah. stuff in here. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, uh, a chain pod, happens. a scream wheeler. Very good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last one is uh, automatons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to build your, you know, a buddy or a friend, yeah. um, you know, that's the way to do it. A storyteller, an assistant, a servitor, you know, and then you get to get into all of the fun territory of, you know, science fantasy where where does an automaton end and a human begin or some other fully sentient creature. So. Uh, yes, and this is where uh, it gets interesting, uh, an interesting idea for like if you build a storyteller automaton, for instance, and you're running a generational type game, mm. well, that automaton probably sticks around longer than the people do. <laughs> so then he can be telling stories about the people who built him who are the original player characters to the new player characters. <laughs> oh, man, I'm... The, the doors that automata open up is, are, are endless, um, but they're hard to make. So, you know, yes, gather they're your... Yes, they're, they're actually the hardest uh, of the items to make. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll definitely want to take a look through these lovely tables and uh, look at the art and see all this cool stuff you can make. It's really enticing and fun, um, very inspiring. But uh, there are a couple other things we just wanted to uh, allude to that we're not going to get into about other ways that little sections that are in here about crafting. Yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff that are kind of like edge rules or, or things that you may want to consider. And yeah, we're not going to dive into these, but you know, they're substituting a uh, different iotum for what the plan calls for. 
um, that you could leave your work undone. And if you need to like, if you break one of those iotum and you don't have a spare, you have to go get it, right? What does that mean? Um, Working on a couple of projects at the same time, how you damage installations and repair them, um, modifications to existing plans, right? So there's there's little kind of rule snippets for all of these uh, various kind of things. So, you know, take a look at those if any of that stuff is, is of interest to you. Uh, a lot of that as I was going through, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know that I would necessarily use the, you know, like the simultaneous projects on a regular basis, but at least I know it's there so that if it does come up, I know where to look. Yeah, and I think it, uh, this little two-page spread to me is just taking the the subsystem that they've created for crafting and saying, remember, this is a cipher system game. Don't get hung up on this being <laughs> uh, this like calcified structure you need to engage with. And oh gosh, if you don't have that iotum, you know, there's nothing you can do, right? Or if this plan isn't quite what you wanted, that sucks for you, right? I this this section is for for me is the part that says you know that's not cheating that's fun that says keep it right. uh, tuned to the narrative use this as a tool at your table and make sure that you know this is Numenera anything kind of goes right like let it be flexible um, you know uh, let this system work for you and not the other way around right um, and I just know that some players that I have you know they're always wanting to do something a little different and. This is a place where I can say, okay, you know, that I can lean on when I'm like, oh, how do I handle that? There, there were a couple things in here. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad they gave me an easy way to just like grab and go when this, you know, when substituting Iotum, like I know that would come up in my games. I'm glad there's just a simple little way uh, to handle it. So I, yeah, I appreciate this a lot. We're not going to dig into it, but it exists and it exists to say, make this game your own and <laughs> tinker with it as necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So one last thing we wanted to touch on, and this is actually something that as we were reading through the rules was a little unclear to us. So we've we've actually reached out for some clarification. Um, and hopefully when we have that, we can kind of relay that uh, to everyone. And basically what we see as we're reading the rules is that everything that you do, tools, skills, uh, write abilities, etc., modify the assessed difficulty which means that when you're actually making crafting checks besides effort in some limited cases you don't really have a way to affect those checks right so each role um and and i i kind of like that right because you're sort of bringing to bear all of the all of your help all of your resources your equipment your training to set up what you're what you're going for and then you don't have to do all the mental math, but it but it still remains a little unclear to me if if uh, effort is is the only thing that can modify the difficulty of a subtask, or whether there are exceptions to that. Like, do really good tools also, you know, I the where where you draw the line of of what can modify a subtask versus what only affects uh, assessed difficulty is still a little unclear to me. Yep, and what really kind of drives home this. Uh, unclarity for me is there is a little section that talks about if you can't get the assessed difficulty down to level 10, uh, you can't even perform the tasks. So if you're trying to create that level 10 cipher we were talking about before, 
and its assessed difficulty is 11, you have to somehow reduce it by one level to even start trying to build it. But if you don't have ways to actually lower the subtask difficulty, you actually can't complete a task above level six. Right. So if you're a, you know, tier four right, though, you know, you may have enough effort to chip away at those high level subtasks, but it'd be pretty tough. And so I'm curious whether there's anything else that digs into that. Yep. So, so we have kind of an open question out that we're trying to get a little more clarification on explicitly how that piece of it works. And we will hopefully get back to you in the future. Yay. All right. So, uh, I think that's crafting. Um, where, what else do we need to cover here? I, I think the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was, I think that, and I kind of had this preconception a little bit, is that if you're not running a game that's kind of focused around a community that you wouldn't use any of the crafting rules, right? But I I think that, you know, now having went through salvaging and crafting here, it, there's there's personal things like ciphers and artifacts and mundane objects maybe that you want to craft that you don't need to be building huge buildings for. So I, I guess I think that there is at least a limited place for crafting in any Numenera game mm-hmm. if you want to bring it, even if, you know, in your Numenera game, your characters are, you know, like, um, you know, a roving uh, theater troupe, right? right? So, so they don't stay in any given place. But maybe they make small modifications to like their theater carts or whatever, yeah. you know? So it's not installation size stuff, but it's a lot of objects or, you know, or maybe they do make a, like a vehicle, right? But there, there's different things that, there, there's a lot of different options to make things. Right. I think I think this is a nice, easy little subsystem for players that really like to MacGyver things. Right. They're like, oh, we've got this interesting challenge ahead of us. Uh, well, if I could just create like a little pulley here, we could we could lift this thing up. And this gives you a cool little way to to make that happen on the fly quickly. You know, OK, you got to go scavenge a couple of materials for it. Uh, you know, that takes a little bit. You run into some interesting things on the way. Then you've got this probably pretty easy roll. And, you know, you can have that pulley. You, you can have those creative solutions um, that involve crafting. So, yeah, I think you, you make a great point that uh, bits of this mechanics, even if you're never engaging with plans very often, um, are, are totally going to be relevant to non-community-based play. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that is kind of all that we have uh, for crafting. And let us know what we missed. Uh, if there's anything else you need clarified, um, we'd be happy to revisit and provide whatever answers we can. Yeah. I think, uh, it would be really fun to, to walk through this. Maybe we could have a demo sometime of crafting weird stuff. Uh, I, I, I am so eager to dig into this system and play around with the plans and such. So yeah. Thank you so much everybody for listening and for following along as we are learning this new system. And uh, let us know on Twitter and other places what, what you're enjoying about it. So time for potties. 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 All right. Uh, my potty this week is uh, a book by, I'm sure none of our listeners will have heard of this this guy. Uh, he's pretty, pretty obscure in uh, the podcast community. But James D'Amato, mm. uh, yeah, I'm... 
yeah, he just I just stumbled across it one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just recently uh, released a book, uh, of course, James of the One Shot RPG Network, uh, called Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide. Uh, I just uh, I just got mine uh, yesterday or the day before as of this recording. Um, so I'm excited to kind of dig in and see what kind of tips and tricks James has for creating RPG characters. Because uh, that's always, you know, some people right away you can jump right into creating a new character and you have tons of character ideas. But sometimes it's kind of hard uh, to really either get into that character or to figure out what kind of character you want to play. And what I'm most excited about is hopeful, hoping that it'll kind of stretch me in different ways to maybe play characters I wouldn't normally play. Absolutely. Uh, despite enjoying being a GM myself and playing lots of different NPCs, I, I get kind of clammed up when I'm uh, trying to think of a good character to play. And um, mm-hmm. this book is just beautiful. And the kinds of exercises look really varied so i um i only got to skim through it but i think i think there's going to be a lot to love uh really this is very worth checking out i've never really seen anything like it so yeah absolutely awesome uh so my potity is a strange one uh i got to play a like nordic style larp over the weekend which is something mm-hmm. i've always wanted to do they they tend to be really feelsy larps and, and make you feel a lot of feelings and be really long and uh, have interesting mechanics. So I played Among Us. Uh, it is by uh, Nina Runa Essendrop. Uh, it is uh, about angels and humans, and uh, about specifically these angels that are watching over this uh, stressed out city full of humans and trying to like calm humans and, and improve their lives and comfort them. And one, but angels also have this immortal, mortal, fa- you know, fascination. And so one of the angels uh, becomes very fascinated by a human and uh, gives up their wings to go down and become mortal and live with this human. And uh, there are no new angels. So every time an angel does that, it is one less angel in the world. And so it's a lot about human loneliness and, and isolation and yet like trying to reach out for connection. It was very long, very slow, very beautiful and uh, intimate. And it was so cool. So um, I just want to like let that uh, let people know that that sort of thing exists. And uh, the the whole LARP scene is very new to me, but um, it was a very beautiful experience and I had a really good time. So that Among Us uh, LARP is worth checking out. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds super cool. Mm hmm. All right, to uh, hit another show on the Misdirected Mark uh, Network, uh, this week we want to shout out Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Yes. Uh, Here, Wayne and uh, Robert take monthly deep dives into the Dark Sun setting and discuss it across all editions of uh, D&D. Who doesn't like a little, you know, desert, gladiatorial, magic, destroys plants Mm. type uh, stuff in their D&D. Dark Sun is so dripping with uh, uh, flavor. That's awesome. It, Definitely it sure check is. out Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. Yeah. So if you want to uh, let us know about what you're going to be crafting uh, in your Dark Sun setting and how you're going to use these cool new crafting rules uh, in your D&D game, please reach out to us on Twitter at CypherSpeakPod or uh, send us your feedback uh, elsewhere. Where can they send that to us, Troy? 
Uh, they can either hit us up at our email address, cypherspeakpod at gmail.com, or uh, go to our episodes on the Misdirected Mark website and leave comments there. Uh, and also, if you are so inclined to head on out to iTunes and rate and or give us a review, we deeply, deeply appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Darcy, what are you going to craft into your hair next? Oh, so many things. So many things. <laughs> Cypherspeak is a member of the Misdirected Mark podcast network, the media arm of Encoded Designs. <laughs>